Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. If you've never listened before, I'll tell you, my name is Simon Miller, and it's a pro wrestling show. Sorry that we didn't have the second episode last week. I scratched the um, my right cornea, which basically means I had a scratch across my eye. Don't know how it happened. Woke up, had a load of pain, had to go to a doctor. I had to go to an optician in the end, because obviously seeing a doctor at the moment is really hard. And they were like, yeah, you need to go to eye A&E. So now I have this wonderful gel I get to put in my eye. Certainly not high on my list of priorities, but look, that's what life does. These things are sent to try us. And thankfully, unlike Rey Mysterio, I don't have to wear... I did have to wear an eye patch for a little bit, but now I only have to wear it sporadically. But more fool me, right? I took the mick out of Rey Mysterio for all these weeks of having one eye, and then it came back to kick me in the ass. But I quite like an eye patch. Who doesn't want to be a pirate like Alistair Black? Who has new theme music? I'm trying to catch up to date with all this stuff with the theme music. It sounds like WWE have a new, you know, unit on board to make their themes and the CFOs who they used to do it with has a new record label and they don't want to pay them for money. I have absolutely no idea what's going on, but it doesn't sound like it's creative decisions. It sounds like it's business decisions. And that doesn't make it any better. Like if you like Keith Lee's theme and you like a theme, Alistair Black's theme and whoever else has lost their theme, you just want WWE to pay up, especially because they're making lots of money. But it would be worse if they thought these themes were bad and got rid of them. But we're just going to have to see uh, what's going to happen. Shout out to my men and women at pinsandknuckles.com, pinsandknucklemerch.com for always supporting Simon as pro wrestling show. Come say hello on Twitter at Simon316. Come say hello on YouTube at Simon Miller. And if you want to support the show, you can. Patreon.com forward slash Simonmiller316. That is how I'm able to do all of my personal projects. And I appreciate you all supporting me. And welcome to everybody new. I enjoyed doing the Q&A last week. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to doing this week's as well. Right. So just as I'm talking, ba-ding, um, the, uh, the rating for Raw has popped up. So we may as well go to that straight away. And it's done pretty well, all things considered. A few people were predicting this was going to be the worst Raw ever. It is not. Last week it did 1.6. Now it's done 1.8. So it's gone up quite a lot. The first hour did 1.9, almost 2 million. Then it dropped to 1.8 and the final dropped down to 1.6, which goes to show that third hour is still kicking everybody's ass. And if you care about the 18 to 49 demo, which everybody talks about, it's a 0.58, a 0.54 and a 0.52. I can't remember if that's good or bad. But that's a far, like I say, a lot of people thought even with the Clash of Champions and everything else going on with the football, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are playing or played last night. Yeah, I think WWE would be quite happy with that, even though when you take a step back and remember <laughs> what Raw used to be doing, it's not great at all. But I guess it all depends on uh, it all depends on the, the context this stuff is pre- presented to us in. So I imagine a lot of people are going to be uh, to be pleased with that. And it's kind of been a mixed bag for WWE this week. I like Clash of Champions, maybe more than some people did, or so it sounds like. I thought it certainly lived up to expectations, uh, over expectations, I should say. I don't think uh, many people were that excited. And this was mainly because of Roman Reigns. And what a thing to be able to say in 2020. I mean, if we want to get pedantic about it, sure, we can sit here all day and go, why didn't WWE do this a few years ago? They absolutely should. I don't think there's a way to uh, justify not doing that, I think we would have been miles ahead of where we are now. Because what is eventually is going to happen, you can already see. We've, we've got The Rock Part 2, which is ironic, given that they're both Samoan. 
Um, it's it, we, we've now. I I always like Roman Reigns, and you can go back to all of my podcasts and hear and hear me say that. But you could always tell that he was kind of fighting against the machine, whereas now he is clearly got a lot of input into this character. So has Paul Heyman. I'm sure Vince McMahon has his own say too. But it feels realistic. It feels believable. The things he's saying, this tribal chief thing, which sounds ridiculous. Uh, when you say it out loud, but the context around it makes it absolutely badass. And him essentially killing his cousin at Clash of Champions while demanding that he got called the High Chief and Jimmy coming out. Oh, man. It was WWE at its best. I've got no problem with athletic matches. I love the fast-paced action that you can get you know, all over the world. But to me, WWE shines when they get the narrative and the storytelling right. And this was the best they have done in ages. It was the right thing to end the pay-per-view, even though it wasn't very happy you know, happy backflippy, which it would have been if we ended with the ambulance match, given that the face good guy champion won. But I think Roman Reigns is on fire right now. I think he's the most interesting thing we've had in wrestling, uh, WWE, I should say, for ages. And it just feels like it makes sense. It feels more believable than some of the stuff we were giving him before, because, of course, it was the John Cena project. And it's, that's nothing new. So many people rolled their eyes. Like, don't forget that Lex Luger was meant to be the next Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin was never meant to be the guy. That was an organic build, which eventually WWE couldn't fight anymore because he was so popular and he was selling so much merchandise. It's like, we've got to jump on this. We do. Look at The Rock, right? Same kind of a thing. He had to go through hell and be dragged over the coals before he came a super good guy. And I think that's going to happen with Roman. And I find it amazing that you already have the cynical crew back out going, well, if you're heel now, we shouldn't like him. It's like, we all know the deal. We can all look past that. And it's it's almost like he's a love to hate kind of a character, but I think he I think he's absolutely awesome. I love that Paul Heyman isn't really in charge; he's kind of just there as I don't even know, just like a, an ally as opposed to Roman Reigns to prop him up. But does he even need him? You know, arguably not. It's a completely different dynamic to Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman and CM Punk. You know, Paul Heyman and CM Punk friend, felt like friends. Obviously, Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar feels like manager to, to client or advocate to client. And this just feels like Roman doing whatever the hell he wants and dragging people along for the ride. But yeah, I think it's great. And I think there is so much potential. I know a lot of people now think there's going to be a big WrestleMania match between The Rock and Roman Reigns. I'm going to be a little bit negative, Nancy. I just can't see it happening. Like, The Rock is the biggest movie star in the world, and I'm sure that he wants to be able to come back. Um, but it's just not feasible, with the, unless he hasn't got any movies planned because of the pandemic. But, you know, when he came back to fight John Cena, they had to delay Hercules because he tore his abductor and abdomen or whatever the hell he did. And that cost the studios a lot of money. So for him to be able to convince people to let him do it is going to be tough, even though he does have all this influence. Don't get me wrong, I would love it. You know, if the main event of WrestleMania 37 was The Rock versus Roman Reigns, it would be incredible, especially if The Rock, um, you know, allowed Roman Reigns to win. That could even be the turning point for him to have a, a proper babyface run, depending on how well this goes. You could probably argue that's a little bit too soon. I just can't really see it happening, especially because I don't think there's going to be that many fans at WrestleMania 37, and The Rock wouldn't do it without that. But we shall see. It's all very exciting over on SmackDown. I think SmackDown is a really, really good, well-put-together show. And like I say, I enjoyed the pay-per-view too. I did. It was a little bit uneventful. The two main events kind of carried it. Uh, Drew McIntyre beating Randy Orton surprised me, but uh, it certainly sounds like they're going to do it again at Hell in a Cell. If we do it again at Hell in a Cell, Randy Orton has to win that championship. There's no two ways about it. You don't continue this feud for the length we have done if there's not going to be a championship change. Unless we are all in with Drew McIntyre, but I think you get into the law of diminishing returns. And I would be all right with that as long as they, I've talked about this before, as long as they come up with a smart um, way to do it and they make sure they protect Drew, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. You have you can't keep the belt on someone forever. And although, you know, I certainly wouldn't be against uh, McIntyre having it for over a year, 
If you've got a different plan for that, then yeah, execute it, pull the trigger, keep things interesting. Because talking about Raw as a whole, what I'm struggling with the most is that it does feel like a show that's being written last minute because it's a show that's being written last minute. There were plenty of reports over the last 24 hours that it wasn't finalized till 2 p.m., so you know, sort of four or five hours before the thing was meant to go ahead. And that's never going to help. Like, we need to build stories. Like, what are the things we're most invested in at the moment? Drew versus Randy be going on a long time. Roman versus Jay because they actually gave us some backstory. And Sasha Banks versus Bailey because they've been doing that for ages. But when you're hot showing stuff like Andrade and Angel Garza who fall out and they're together and you're doing the same tag team match over and over and the Hurt Business and Apollo Crews and Ricochet just grow round and round and the 24-7 title stuff doesn't make any sense because you're just coming up with it on a whim... It does kind of get quite difficult. Like my big thing this week was the Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke tag team. There is nothing wrong with putting those two people together. And in fact, it's smart on WWE's behalf because they're noticing a hole in their women's tag team division. They need more, they need more teams. So they're putting one together, but you have to put in the due diligence as well. And I get we had that little bit of a promo, but you know, let them organically, there's that word again, but let them naturally find each other and then put a little bit of a story. Maybe they have a fight first like Cesaro and Sheamus did and then they come together for the greater good. Just going, well, we're a team now. You're like, well, how can I be invested in you? You've given me absolutely no reason. You can't just high five and go, we're bros now. It's like, well, the rest, again, the coolest stuff about wrestling is when you plan this stuff out. And that's the kind of, like the opening to Raw to me was really, really strange. It was kind of nice because Drew McIntyre was obviously, I think, quite genuinely taken aback to be in the ring with Christian Big Show, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. But it felt a bit lovey-dovey. It felt a bit directionless. You know, having those guys there was clearly just a, a, a what's the word? A, a catalyst. That's not the right word at all. But just a way for Randy Orton to beat them up and kind of justify why Drew would want to fight him again. And that was fine. I didn't even mind Randy Orton turning into Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell. A lot of people thought it was goofy and dumb, which it was. But was I entertained? Yes. And sometimes that's all that matters to me. It put a smile on my face. And I don't think anybody else other than Randy Orton could have pulled this off. Many questions to be had. One, why did no one make any noise when they're being beaten up by a chair? Why did Randy feel the need to do this when it was him who ejected himself from the arena? So nobody would have cared when he walked back in there. But, you know, I, I think... The real issue is that WWE needs to stop relying on legends too much. I think we've kind of run it into the ground now. And I love nostalgia. Again, you can find videos and, and all kinds of content from me where I'm absolutely behind it, be it Goldberg or whoever back in the day. But we've got to the stage now where guys like Shawn Michaels, one of the best ever, Ric Flair, arguably the best ever, uh, Big Show's had an incredible you know, tenured career, and Christian, who I believe is incredibly underrated. They just don't feel special anymore. That's not their fault. It would be the same if you did bring back Dwayne Johnson every single week. By the third, fourth, fifth, sixth week, it's not going to be unique anymore because it can't be. The novelty wears off uh, just by proxy. And I kind of feel like we've done that now. And all we're getting into, well, we've been there for ages, but now we're definitely getting into a territory where you're not going to get the boost, although we did last night, so maybe there is still some fire there. But I don't think long-term you're going to get the boost that these old guys are going to bring you. And you're continually not allowing the new crop of stars to become what the fans want to see. And it's a very hard thing to balance, but the nostalgia thing has definitely run out of um, of steam for me. I think we should be going in a different direction. And as crazy as it sounds, I think we should look at guys like Mustafa Ali, Apollo Crews, Alistair Black, Kevin Owens, and we should see what they can do. And while they are all being featured, thank goodness Mustafa Ali was back on Raw, I don't ever think we put them in a spot that allows them to properly shine. Like even when Kevin Owens was Universal Champion, it felt like he was just 
He was just there to buy time. He was a transitional dude. So we've never actually placed him on the top of the card, put all our resources behind him to see what he can achieve. And I'm not saying that he's going to be successful. I'm not saying he's going to be a failure. But I want to see where we end up. Say, Mustafa Ali is a big one for me. There's just something about the guy that I like. But I can't explore that and sort of let to see where the potential is going to go unless WWE start allowing me to do that. Like, he'd been vanished from Raw for the last six weeks. And he just turns up again. Got a win against MVP in the six-man tag. But that's what happened when he re-debuted, like I say, a few months ago. You have to stay the course. And it doesn't always mean that it's going to necessarily, you know, increase ratings straight away. But to give up and then just go back to people that we have already seen time and time again, well, we know that's not working too. We talked about the ratings at the very start of this show. It's great that this week they've gone in the right direction. But WWE absolutely wants to get back above the 2.0 mark because that's where they were kind of consistently at 2.5 maybe. I don't even remember now. It's been so crazy. And, you know, things are never going to change unless things change. And I remember, you know, especially with the Shawn Michaels stuff, thinking about Shawn Michaels, a guy that I've always, you know, massively respected, but I just I just don't care. And then, you know, he's going to be on NXT with the Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly feud, and that's going to then undermine this because he should be written off TV for a while because he got murdered by Randy Orton. And while that may not stand out as something that is actually having a cause and effect, it is subconsciously. I think this kind of thing wears you down because it's just how your human body works. It's how the human brain works. So I do hope we move away from that. Um, and it's not like I have anything against those guys. It could be anybody. Like if you use Goldberg too much, I mean, even if Stone Cold Steve Austin came out of retirement, if he came out of retirement and had one match, you'd be blown away. If he then had a 10th match, you're not going to be as excited. Unless, of course, the build and the feud is good. But it will never it will never have that same uh, power because it just runs out. That's just what happens. That's life. You know, I'm sure you preferred this podcast the first time you heard it. And now you're listening for the 300th time. You're like, Miller, shut the flip up. This kind of ties into Raw as a whole. It, well, I don't need to say it again. I don't need to say it again. It just, it just needs more planning, right? I mean, and I also, I'm just so sick of some of the of the feuds now. Again, for all the reasons we've just went over. You know, I don't need to see uh, Zelina Vega versus Oscar again. I don't need to see the Street Profits. I mean, all they did was turn up. But I don't I don't really understand the Andrade thing. Like, Andrade comes out, insults Zelina Vega without going back to the whole he's going to fall out with Angel Garza stuff. But then he's, he just gets killed by Keith Lee, <laughs> which I look, it's fine. I like Keith Lee a lot. But it's a very strange, I don't want to call it a demotion. I mean, I don't know the direction that Andrade is going in. And Keith Lee has debuted. He's had this kind of run at the top of the card with Drew and Randy. But now he's almost, I don't want to say he's been forgotten about. Because that's not, you know, that's not fair. Because we don't know where it's going to go. But they haven't got a plan. And I know it means nothing now, but you know, years ago when Triple H said the idea was nobody would call up to call up to WWE from NXT without a plan, I kind of bought into it. But it's clearly not um, it's clearly not the case at all. And I think, given that you know, we, again, I don't want to re really go over the stuff we just talked about, but given that we do need fresh faces and they do need to start feeling like they can genuinely be a threat, having a dude come up and kind of you know just veer all over the place is good for nobody. Right? especially not especially not Keith Lee. The other thing that I saw a lot is that people are bored of the Seth Rollins, Rey Mysterio, uh, Murphy stuff. At least it's at least it's evolving, right? It's now heading in a different direction. The big takeaway <laughs> I love it is that Murphy is 31 and Leah is 19. I mean, I don't know how it's going to play out. It's acting at the end of the day. If this was real life, maybe we could talk about it. But then even then I wouldn't judge it. I wouldn't judge it like love can uh, Love can 
appear in mysterious places. <laughs> you And you shouldn't judge. I mean, look, there's some things you should judge. If you were 16, I'd be like, what the flip is going on? Don't do that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm intrigued to see where it's going to go. It's Romeo and Juliet. And that's a story that, you know, has stood the test of time, obviously. But I need, to, I need to know where it's going to go before I do anything. It does feel like it's going about 100 miles an hour. Like in the space of one episode, Aaliyah has fallen out with everybody and now thinks Murphy is going to be her saving grace. And is he? Or is he actually going to team back up with Seth Rollins? Are we going to get a super hill turn? Is Aaliyah going to go bad guy? I mean, you could probably do that. But I do f- kind of feel invested in these characters, which I think helps. I think the cool thing is that Dominic Mysterio now just feels like another wrestler. And I actually mean that in a positive way. Because he only had his first match back at SummerSlam, which was like a month ago. But now, you know, I don't worry. Not worry is the wrong word. But I'm not overly watching to see what he does do and what he doesn't do. He's just a dude on Raw. And people like to go on about the nepotism argument. Look, that's just life. If you don't like nepotism, you don't like any kind of businesses. And it's not like he's not backing it up. I think Dominic Mysterio is great. And I'd like to see him to keep evolving, keep um, pushing forward. It's going to be interesting. I don't... I think we probably would have been done by this if Rey Mysterio hadn't injured his tricep. I think we would have got the big Seth, Re- Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio match. Uh, Rey Mysterio would have won, I presume, to yeah get his revenge. And then you probably would have broken the cult up and what direction Seth Rollins would have gone. And then I don't know. So it does feel like we're... Uh, we're not treading water. Again, That, that that's too extreme. But I do think WWE have added bits to the story, which is probably why the rest of Rey Mysterio's family came in to begin with. I don't understand why it had to be King's Court. <laughs> I thought that was the last thing you should be doing right now is bringing more people into Raw. Because, you know, you may have noticed there was a bunch of dudes missing. And that's because, rumoredly, we never know for sure, they uh, were in contact with people that had COVID. And when that happens, you have to go and self-isolate. So it's the same with Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Retribution. And I would imagine Cedric Alexander, too. And I just send all my best to those guys. But um, it's... I don't know. Let's see where it goes before before we jump down on it. A story that I would kill off is the 24-7 championship. And I love our truth I really do. I think he's damn entertaining. I think he's just a good egg all round. And especially if you follow him on social media, it's just good vibes. And he makes you, you know, he makes you feel... He makes you feel just yeah, better about things. He just does. But there's nothing else that we can do with this. And I like goofiness and I like ridiculousness, but you can just tell they're pulling at straws. They don't know where else to take it, but I don't think they want to write it off television. I would just, you know, lay it loose for a while. And, and I don't know, but, you know, Tazawa being eaten by a shark and then coming back from the dead and then Drew Gulak's on Raw, even though he's a SmackDown superstar and R-Truth always wins it back, even though he loses it. And the commentary team are laughing because he's won it 41 times. That, you know, reduces its worth even further. And look, some people love this and more power to you. But to me, it always needs to be leading somewhere. It needs to be going somewhere. And it's just not. So I just kind of feel like it's five minutes where I go, well, it's going to end up with our truth winning it back. And that's quite hard for me to, you know, to get involved. But hey ho, it is what it is. I don't think it's going to go anywhere for a while. And anything that our truth does, I secretly like. Because again, I think he's a good dude. Uh, the Alistair Black Kevin Owens stuff is confusing. Because it just doesn't make sense. Like, there is some logic in him being mad at Kevin Owens for vanishing when he needed him. But you wouldn't be more mad at him than the people that ripped out your eye. <laughs> you would you would get revenge on them. So Seth Rollins and Murphy, you would beat them up. And then as and when that was fulfilled, you may turn your attention to Kevin Owens. And I don't really think we've told that story at all. We mentioned Alistair Black's new music and, you know, he's wearing tights now. Whatever. I think we get adjust to those things. I never think it's a massive deal. It just hasn't really justified his heel turn. And the fact that we keep having these random matches between Kevin Owens and Alistair Black that never get any uh, promotion and also always end in some kind of schmoz or some kind of ridiculousness, which is another issue that WWE has right now. If I asked you to write down the WWE rules, I don't think you'd be able to. 
because sometimes you are allowed to accidentally hit the referee, then you're not. Sometimes you are allowed to break the five count, and sometimes you're not. You know, there is no um, there is no structure, there is no consistency. And while wrestling is stupid by its nature, I do think the rules have to have to be the same. Because otherwise, you know, what the hell do you do? <laughs> what the hell do you do? You you'd never be able to you could just oh, I don't know. I just it was a bad ending. It's not what I wanted, you know. In a match between those two guys, I want a victor. And I don't it doesn't necessarily make me think the other guy is a loser. It's just a way to enhance the story, but that's up to the story writers to ensure that it doesn't feel that way. And it just kind of felt like a get-out-of-jail-free card, which they do do all the time, and that's why I get exhausted by it. I'm like, man, we've done this time and time again. You know, it's we need some clean finishes. We need some victories. We need some winners. We need some people that have momentum. Like, who has momentum right now? Drew McIntyre does. Roman Reigns does. And outside of that, I don't think you could make a... Maybe Cesaro and Nakamura they, they, and the Street Profits, they have momentum. But the fact that they've been going around the houses and doing Groundhog Day hasn't helped them much. Hasn't helped them much either. It's why, you know, Boy Who Cried Wolf. I think the Bianca Belair video packages are awesome. It ties into her athletic background, which is real. And you know, getting that dose of reality into your persona is always helpful. I can't think of a time when it hasn't been. And they're like updated Mr. Perfect vignettes. She's out running people. People are quitting. She comes across like a badass. She's happy. She's smiley. You know, she's legit. And I look at Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, all these people that have done the same. Even Dan Severin back in the day. Ken Shamrock. You knew they could kick your ass. But I have no faith that it's going to go anywhere because she vanished. <laughs> she vanished for six weeks. It's like Bobby Roode coming back, right? I thought that was awesome. Great. Bobby Roode had an awesome match with Drew McIntyre. Really enjoyed it. Never actually thought he was going to win the championship. But for what it was, I was absolutely invested. So to then not be explained about where he's been... I just find it a bit, it's just a bit strange. It just, it just brings up questions that never get answered. And hardcore fans that we are, we just accept it. But new fans need to be told. Of course they need to be told, and they should be told. You, you can't just say, well, that's just wrestling. All right, but change it. Make it make more sense. It takes one sentence to explain where he's been. You can allow him to cut a promo. What I do hope we do is that I hope we... Put, actually, I do hope we put him back with Dolph Ziggler. And that's kind of boring. We just need tag teams. We need tag teams all over the place. We need women's tag teams. We need men's tag teams. I would absolutely unite the men's tag teams divisions right now and have it like the women's because I just think they're running out of people drastically. But, pff, you know, there's not, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. I would unite all the belts. I'd have one world champion, one tag team champion, and I'd unite the IC and US, and I'd have those guys jump from show to show. Especially at the moment when you're not actually touring, it makes all of that kind of easier. And I think it would give a new structure um, to, the, to the whole thing. And I guess we could do it with the draft coming up in uh, next week or a couple of weeks whenever it is. Is it this week the draft or is it next week the draft? Is it the ninth? I think it's the ninth. Yes, that's a week Friday. So we've got a week Friday until until we do that. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I would enjoy it. I'm um, just uh, topping on the uh, Clash of the Champions before we move on. Uh, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura versus the Lucha House Party. I mean, the tag champs just whooped them. And there wasn't even a tease about Callisto, Linsterado, and Grandmother Metalik breaking up. So I hope, we do, I hope we don't forget about that on SmackDown. Because I think now you've just got to break them up and have them do some badass triple threat matches. I'd be fine with that. Uh, Sami Zayn, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles ladder match was excellent. Not match of the night in many ways in terms of that athletic thing. Ladder matches in WWE are never bad. Because all the guys go out there and they want to kill themselves. So it is. it was pretty tremendous. And I was really happy to see Sami Zayn win. Especially because, you know, last year, or this year maybe, I can't remember, we had the Sami tally. Because Sami would never win. You know, it was a, it was a <coughs> excuse me, that was a predominant feature on ups and downs. And the finish was so creative and nuts. You know, putting a, a ladder through Jeff Hardy's ear and then handcuffing himself to AJ Styles. I think this new character of Sami Zayn is awesome. We've talked about it before. 
And really, we should have doubled down on his babyface gimmick because he is the best underdog, which obviously is part of his character. But as the crazed loon <laughs> with his with his unkempt hair, I really like Sami Zayn. I think he could do it all. He's such a well-rounded performer. Oscar defeated Delina Vega. It was fine, but, you know, running to the ground on Raw. Bobby Lashley defeating Apollo Crews, kind of the same thing. We're just going around in circles, so it's hard to care. But I do really like the Hurt Business. I think they're one of the best factions WWE has had for ages. So I'm hoping we actually put them in some kind of feud where it makes sense if they're good guys or bad guys. Exactly the same with Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. It was just there to fill some time. Hilariously, looking at it now, 8 minutes 15 was the exact time for Bobby Lashley and Apollo Crews and this tag team match. If that doesn't sum it up, I don't know. Uh, Oscar defeating Bailey was fine for what it was. Sasha Banks coming back, I thought was awesome. Obviously, it's because Nikki Cross maybe is t- tested positive for coronavirus. We don't know, but she wasn't around. And you'd have to guess it could be something to do with that. It's now being said that the main event of Hell in a Cell will be Sasha Banks versus Bailey. I don't know how I feel about their first match being in Hell in a Cell. It kind of feels like we're jumping the gun a little bit, but those two have smashed everything they've done so far, especially if it's the last match. I think the two matches you're going to get are Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre and those two. And if we actually push the WWE title aside for the SmackDown Women's Championship, I think that would be quite cool. I thought Sasha Banks was great here. She sold her neck while still looking like a badass. So yeah, I'm all in for that. They've done no wrong. Uh, Drew McIntyre defeating Randy Orton. I mean, the ambulance match is stupid (laughs) by its very nature. Why are you trying to throw somebody into an ambulance? But you are. It did the job. I enjoyed it from start to finish. I thought all the cameos of people coming back tied into the story. I guess kind of justifying on Raw that Drew McIntyre hadn't asked for this protected him. I didn't even care. Even if they had come up with a plan. Randy Orton is a dastardly heel. And you want to see him get his comeuppance and we did. Sometimes I think we overthink these things, but whatever. And then yeah, Roman Reigns defeating Jey Uso by technical submission as they call it. After Jimmy Uso threw in the towel. Best storytelling WWE's done in years. Just to repeat that one more time. More stuff like this. I hope they learn from it. Because they've proven they can do it. You could argue that no one does it better than them. This kind of narrative stuff. So if that's your MO, and that's what you can do better than anybody else, go for it. Go for it. This new Roma Ray character is perfect. And we should be dedicating this much time to everybody else. It's going to happen? Probably not. But, you know, we we, we can but dream. But I kind of like the madness of Raw. I don't know what happened to Raw Underground. In fact, I'm going to Google it right now in case there's been any kind of report because no one's talked about it. People have just shrugged their shoulders. Right, there's a ringside news. Oh, no, not ringside. I take that back. I ain't reading that. Don't read Don't read ringside news. We'll go to Heal by Nature instead. Reason why Raw Underground segments didn't air during Raw. This is from yesterday. This is from yesterday or today, I should say. WWE did not air any Raws. No, they did not. According to Fightful, my man Fightful, Sean. WWE pre-taped Raw Underground segments prior to going on air. This week, the company scrapped the segments due to being short on available talent. Oh, sorry, it's the coronavirus again. They should have probably mentioned it, though, or done some kind of highlighted thing. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. I hope it doesn't go. I like Raw Underground. I think it needs to be developed more. It needs to have more structure, but I certainly don't hate it. Not by any stretch of the imagination. So... That's where we're at. I thought SmackDown was good. I thought AEW last week was uh, not their best show, but still decent. I really like Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley in the main event. Again, just dealing with the situation uh, as we go. And I haven't watched any of the G1 yet. What I usually do is I wait until we get a few extra matches in or a few extra nights in. Then I'll jump up and catch on the on the matches that people say you have to see. Just because trying to watch all of it is a job in itself. And with impact and... <laughs> Uh, Raw and Smackdown and everything else yeah you, I, I have to I have to balance my times so you have to forgive me I literally can't watch all the wrestling because there is too much uh, is there any other news that is broken or anything else that we need to talk about I don't think so I mean shout out to Retribution for being awesome on Twitter I think uh, was it Slapjar no Slapjack 
Mace and T-Bar, whatever the flip their names is, I think they took a very bad situation and at least made it entertaining for the fans on social media. And no, that doesn't, you know, then convert over to television. But what else were they meant to do, right? You can't crap on them from everything. So more power to those guys. They came at me too. Slapjack said he wasn't going to beat me up. And then Mace said that he was. It was a crazy few hours. And I guess that's just, you know, me being a little bit biased because it's always fun when that happens. But again... It took a bad situation and they made it work. We now need to apply this to the television, to Raw. We need to figure out exactly what they're going to be. Again, not on this week's show because they had the coronavirus, which is just bad. Like, of course it sucks, but that's the world we live in. At least there was, I think there should be mention of it, but, you know, we can't control that. But yeah, in terms of what they were able to do in the week away from a show running on, on television, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought they were really, really funny. And uh, also Roman Reigns said he hated CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking to uh, the complex load management podcast where somebody basically asked you know would you work with cm punk and he said yes of course as long as it made business sense but he also said i don't like the guy i don't know many people that do but i'm willing to put business first and make good content he'd probably need to be slapped around a few times in order to get his mind right if the fans are going to like it most likely i'm going to do it so that's never going to happen knowing cm punk but i could be wrong you never say never but man, Roman Reigns has assumed this position as the locker room leader, and he is absolutely kicking ass. Uh, just to uh, just to finish off, we shall answer some Q and A's. Thank you, Dick. We've got loads of questions this week. I mean, I think I can go through them all, but I will go through as many as I can. But thank you very much. I always appreciate it. I always um, I'm kind of baffled that people even want to ask me a question, even though obviously I asked for them to begin with. My man Samer says, "What will your dream AEW versus WWE match be?" I kind of always say the same thing, but it changes day by day. I mean, if I could pick one right now, I'd probably do something like, you know, Kenny Omega versus Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, uh, Seth Rollins or Kevin Owens. I just think it would be great. I, I think Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in AEW, and he always seems to come up with ways to improve, not improve, but play to his opponent's strengths, and that's why I think they would be all good. So that's the one I would like to say, but, you know, it's... Uh, it's never going to happen. I don't think any of the guys I just mentioned, maybe Kevin Owens would jump to AEW. I don't see Seth Rollins or Drew McIntyre ever going there. Although, again, I probably would have said that about Hulk Hogan and WCW back in the day. So, you know, you never um, you never know. Uh, my man Adam Pearson says, when you were at school, did you accidentally call a teacher mum? I think we've all done that. <laughs> it's embarrassing. And you face palm and everyone laughs. You're like, damn it. My man Jack Farmer says, now that the 2000 WWE draft is upon us, which brand won the 2019 draft? Well, look, I think SmackDown is a far better show than Raw. And of course, I'm only basing this on the last few months as opposed to the last 12. I just think even the stories I don't particularly like, like the Money in the Bank one, they're consistent. Again, they, they have beginnings, middles, and hopefully ends. Whereas Raw has none of that. <laughs> it just doesn't. And I kind of like it for that reason. Again, I'm very blessed that I'm able to do ups and downs, which makes it a lot of fun. But there is absolutely no storytelling on Raw. It's just throw things at a wall and see what happens, which is fine to a certain extent. If that's what you like, but it's not going to work long term and it's not going to get new fans in the door. SmackDown genuinely feels like an episodic TV show and it has a star on it. Roman Reigns feels huge right now and Drew is heading in that direction. But well, actually, that's BF. I think he'll get there too. Roman Reigns just had longer at the top, right? So you have to give Drew McIntyre the uh, the same amount of time. Uh, Gary says, can Impact Wrestling once again become legitimate competition as a major wrestling company? I think so. And as of late, have been producing some of the best content. Just needs a stronger main event, better commentary and a better TV deal. I mean, you never say never. I don't think so. Uh, not Not because they're not good. I actually enjoy the show very much like your good self. It's just people have 
taken up the positions. So you're going to have to knock off AEW, you're going to have to knock off WWE, or you're going to have to put yourself in the bracket they are, and I don't see them doing that as much as I, I really, really do like them. So no, I don't think so, but you can still be a successful niche. Like, I really like the revamp of Ring of Honor. I don't think it's a product that, again, would ever smash out into the into the mainstream. But again, it will it, it's serving a niche. And that's a way you can make a living in 2020. You can, thanks to social media. So as long as they're all making money and being successful, I imagine they'd be happy, the fans will be happy, and I certainly would be happy. Because I want all wrestling companies to do well. Even though a lot of people think that I don't, I do. Uh, Louis, do you remember the first match you ever watched in person? For me, it was Carly and Kurt Hawkins on a main event before Raw way back around 2012. I mean, no, I don't. I can't remember the first live match I watched, which is pretty bad. Obviously, it would have been one of the Raw or WWE tours over here in the UK. I mean, I probably went to some, I did go to some indie wrestling before that. This was before the indie scene in the UK was any good. So I certainly wouldn't count that as the, uh, as part of it. But no, I don't remember. I do remember that when WWE started doing their big tours, I tried to go to every single match for a while, uh, or every single card for a while, and then realized it's just not financially feasible. So now my answer is no, which kind of sucks. Paul H says, what do you think of the booking of the secondary WWE titles in recent months? SmackDown especially has had main eventers feuding over the IC title. Bobby Lashley is the US champ and a big deal was made of Apollo winning it well i think the ic title is better than the us the us title to me did fall into the background before clash of champions i totally forgot that bobby lashley and apollo cruz were even going to fight because we were talking about other things but the intercontinental champion you're right given that Sami Zayn, jeff hardy and aj styles really give a crap about it that has helped undoubtedly and the fact that Sami Zayn was so mad that somebody tried to take it off him also helps. We just need to keep doing it. It's a longevity thing when it comes to these titles. You know, if you watched wrestling back in the day, the IC Championship felt huge because you had all these guys that continually told you they cared about it and they were always going to care about it. It's why I would put those belts back together. I think it's far easier to do that if you just had one. But yeah, right now I like the IC stuff. US title will have to, it just needs, a fr- it needs some fresh blood. I can't see Apollo Crews and the Hurt Business go round and round. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, Sam says, if CM Punk were to return, would he still be the best in the world at wrestling? Would he be able to make entertaining matches with guys like Mox, Reigns, or Osprey? And after six and a half years, do you think he could come back and be great? And lastly, where does he fit best? Well, I think he probably fits best on AEW, giving the fans. But I don't think he's going to come back. I've always said this. I don't see what he gets from it. I think by now it'd be... Not anticlimactic, but I don't think it would live up to people's expectations because they've risen those too hard, as we do. That's just human nature. And whether or not he'd still be good, I mean, I don't think you lose it. He'd probably need a few tune-up and warm-up matches. But I don't think we're going to see it. I really, really don't. I think it would have happened by now. He doesn't seem like he is interested. He took another shot at WWE on Twitter over this weekend, so it's not like he's trying to burn. It's not like he's trying to keep that bridge. He seems happy to burn it. And it doesn't seem like he's on the best relationship with AEW either and I imagine he's that way because he's not fussed about going back like if you want to have a relationship with someone you usually treat them quite nice and CM Punk is not doing that maybe it has something to do with Roman Reigns uh, Mike says how did you feel about that Randy Orton segment on Monday night do you have to have gotten a good laugh out of that one I thought it was awesome it's so stupid but I would always take stupid uh, Andy have there been any bands you've become a fan of solely through watching wrestling uh, I don't think so, just because I'm quite into music. So I try and be that guy that's always like, oh, I need to keep up with the latest bands because I'm an absolute moron. So no, I don't think so. But I may be lying about that. I'd have to, I'd have to go back through my, through my brain. But I don't think so. No, I'm not sure. Um, Macaulay, Ma- 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 Malky, 
I probably haven't got that right at all. You can help me, my friend. I know what I'm talking about. Who decided what wrestling style each company adopted? Sounds like Bane. I'm sure in the territory days, each brand had a different style. So why would WWE want someone like AJ Styles to adopt theirs? Surely being diverse would make WWE better. Remember Jericho talking about teaching AJ WWE style. Triple H said it best. That's their playbook. That's what they want you to do. They have a certain way that they think works. And they want guys to come in and apply their unique skill set to that. Do I agree with it? No, I agree with you. I think you should be allowed to paint your canvas like the artist that you are. But hey, you know what you're signing up for when you go to WWE. And a company like AEW and Impact and New Japan are probably going to be more, more free-flowing and allow you to be more creative. But WWE isn't like that. They want to control you a bit more. In terms of where it came from, I just suppose they got success with it. So Vince McMahon's edict was, this is what we do. And NXT is a little bit different. So you can see that Triple H has his own influence on it. Um, but again, it's horses for courses. It depends what you like. And it's hard to say that Vince McMahon wasn't right at one point because he was the most and is the most successful wrestling promoter ever. But everything changes and arguably WWE didn't keep up with that. Uh, the SOP13 says, who would be your dream tag team partner to go for the gold with? And what would your name and team finisher be? Well, I'm going to team up with Miro. We're going to be called... Millero, because <laughs> it sounds like a cereal, and our finisher is going to be the Pileplex, where Miro gets them up for a suplex, and then I come off the top rope, and I slam them. I, as I'm coming down, I like push on their feet, so I spike them, basically, and then they're dead, because there's no way you could do that move safely. It's kind of like the, the move that Brian Cage does, but with two people. So, Stuart McIntyre, if you could change one thing, real life or in storyline in wrestling history, what would you change? I uh, wouldn't have done the Montreal screw job because I think Bret Hart throughout the Attitude Era would have been awesome. Even though he wouldn't have been a, the, the main, main event guy like he was, I still think, again, you know, the, the old um, rhetoric that WCW would never know what to do with Bret Hart rang true. And I think WWE always would have done. And it's a real shame that happened. But hey, ho, we don't need to talk about that anymore. Uh, Arthur Cameron, would Austin 316 have happened if the curtain call didn't? Obviously referring to the point that Triple H was meant to ring, win the 1996 King of the Ring before the curtain call and he got punished. I think so. Maybe it would have taken a bit longer, but you know, Steve Austin was just a, a diamond waiting to happen, a diamond in the rough. He was, you know, those, that skill set wasn't going to go away. It would have just manifest itself in a different way and in a different time. But I still think he would have made it to the top, yeah. As for a current question, is Dominic Mysterio going to get a full-time run or is he part-time talent? I think he's full-time. Why the hell wouldn't he be? Again, I think he has segued into this brilliantly. I remember everyone saying, oh, he should go down to NXT. I was like, why? Let him fly on Raw. And I think we're doing that. So, yeah, I'm, um, I really like him. I do. I don't know why some people don't. Adam says, if you could wrestle for either WCW in their 83-week prime or WWE in the height of the Attitude Era, which would you choose? WWE. Like, I used to watch WCW, but I'm a WWE guy, right? We all picked our sides back then. I don't actually pick sides now. I like them all. But when I was a kid, I, I did. And I liked World Wrestling Federation. So that would be the dream. Absolutely. Uh, Evil Weevil says, what chances are there that the NXT UK wrestlers will be released from their contracts so the UK indie scene can be renewed? Absolutely no chance. WWE was on that. They want to control the indie scene, and you do that by hiring people. Uh, Just Mike says, reaction towards wrestlers, I'd like to listen. You try to explain it if you can. How come some wrestlers get an easy ride from fans for crap things they did, but others have done equal crap things that get crucified? Dude, that's just life, man. <laughs> there's, no, there's no answer to that. That's always going to be the way. Some people get a free pass. Some people don't. That That's not wrestling. That's the internet. Uh, Andrew Thompson. How many times do you think R-Truth will have won the 24-7 title when he retires? Probably over 100 by the way we're going. 
Uh, Anime Gamer, what would you say has been the best WWE main event for a pay-per-view this year? I think I'm going to go Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. I really like the greatest match ever between Edge and Orton, so I'd put that in there too. Uh, The Boneyard match would be there. Uh, Was the Royal Rumble the main event in the Royal Rumble? I believe it was. That counts as a match. I think that's probably some in WWE. I will have been forgetting some, but they are the ones that uh, come to mind. Harold, do you think there's a way to save Retribution? Yes, give them a leader who is an established star because then they shall have credibility. Alexander says, what was your wrestling journey? Like, how did you get into it? Why? And your motives for the future, i.e. promotions, opponents, etc. Well, I've told this story quite a few times. It simply came down to the fact that I always wanted to do wrestling. I tried a couple of times, hadn't really made it due to my own... Uh, mental struggles as a younger man got past my 30s got through all of that and then started working for what culture and thought uh, well a wrestling school opened around the corner i was like this is it this is my my last um my last not my last shot but a stupid shot not to take advantage of so i pitched to what culture the idea of doing a documentary they said yes that was a great motivator for me and then from there i just fell in love with it it's hardest thing i've ever done also one of the most satisfying And I miss it terribly right now. I do when these questions come up and I think, wow, I haven't wrestled now for six months. I'm probably crap again. It's really quite sad, but I always like to balance it out by reminding myself that uh, everybody's had hardship in 2020 and not being able to wrestle is certainly not the worst one. In terms of my future, I want to wrestle for whatever promotion will have me and I want to fight whatever opponent wants to face me. That's the only way you get better. That's the only way you get experience. And at the end of the day, I just love wrestling. And if anyone's going to give me the opportunity and I'm free and able to get there, that's what I'll do. It's as simple as that. And then we'll see where we are. Again, this is why I don't make too many major plans with it because they all got written off this year. And who knows if it will be the same next year too. It's not like we're heading in a good direction. So always take these things as they come. Peter says, do you think the WWE has become stale because of how many pay-per-views and rematches we see on a weekly basis? The answer is yes. (laughs) Alex Williams, how do they come up with a story between Roman and The Fiend if that's the direction? The only way I see it going is The Fiend being buried by Roman, which I would hate. I don't know, man. It all depends on what the plan is. Do I want to see The Fiend get ruined again? No. But do I want anyone to touch Roman Reigns right now? Absolutely not. Roman Reigns has got to be the man right now. It's so important. But thankfully, I don't have to come up with that. I would argue that The Fiend probably will get his ass kicked because it happened with Seth Rollins. It happened with Goldberg. They obviously don't think it's a priority. And that's another conversation for another time. Uh, Murphy's Law. Favorite case of Megadeth variations to finishes. <laughs> the Lion Tamer into the Wall of Jericho. The Tiger Driver 91 into the Tiger Driver, for example. Oh, I don't know. That's that's too hard a question to answer. Uh, there's, there's so many I can't even think of one. So I'm just not going to answer any of them. 24-8 says, why is AJ Styles the greatest wrestler of all time? Uh, he's certainly in the conversation. He's not mine. But he's flipping amazing. He's certainly one of. Again, you can make the case for him. It depends on what your uh, parameters are for for best wrestler. But yeah, he rocks. Uh, Ty says, what are your own goals when it comes to wrestling? Do you want to go to AEW, WWE or any of the big companies? I always answer this the same way. Can you imagine? If I got an offer for either one of them, it would be a huge pat on my back, I would believe. And I wouldn't believe my luck. You don't turn down massive opportunities. Um, Do I think it will happen? No. But would I be open to it? Absolutely. Uh, Aaron Kapoor, who's got the best moveset in the current wrestling world? My answer would be Kenny Omega. Dr. Scott Kelly, were you ever contacted by AEW for Cody Rhodes' Open TNT title challenge or as Spears' tag team partner? No. I mean, A, the pandemic hit, and B, who knows what was going to happen with that? 
you know, the, the side of me that likes to dream or dares to dream. I hope that something would happen. But as of yet, it, it, it has not. And why would it with everything else going on? So we'll, we'll see. But uh, it, it kind of seems so crazy. I can't even imagine it at the moment. Uh, K.Kane says, as far as the business side of wrestling, excluding Triple H, who do you think is the most business-minded wrestler and why? Oh, man, what a question that is. I mean, Randy Orton, I suppose, because he's smart, he protects himself, doesn't do crazy moves, gives back, earns a lot of money, and has been on top for like 15 years. So I'm going to guess the answer is is Randy Orton. Uh, MBDC420. Um, would you ever consider a heel run? And also, will you see? Will we see you down under? Is that the goal? Man, I would love someone to let me be a heel. No one has let me do it yet. I've got the character all down. I know what I would do. And if I ever get to wrestle in Australia, it's like a lot of the other things we've already talked about. Crazy opportunity. Crazy that anybody would ever even think to invite me there. I would be there as quickly as I could, which is not quick at all because it takes at least a day to get to Australia. Uh, Con Dowling, maybe. Do you ever you do you ever see WWE using unique stage designs for pay-per-view like they used to? I loved Armageddon. Uh, no. I don't know why. They're just not into it. Maybe it's too much work, too much effort. I miss it too. I think it brings a certain unique um, uh, look and design to pay-per-views. It makes you feel special. So I think it's strange that they don't. I can't answer it. I, I really would like them to, but... I don't think so. Uh, Ronnie Muck, where does Tessa Blanchard turn up at? I would say WWE or NXT. Uh, Joshua Jones, what's been your most difficult match, whether mentally or physically? Uh, I don't talk about it anymore because the person that I wrestled turned out to be not a good person. So unfortunately, that's a question that I can't answer because he doesn't deserve the time of day, which is a massive shame. Uh, Jay, if you had to pick just one, who's your favorite wrestler for the future? MJF, probably. You know, a guy cutting that kind of promo at 23, 24 and having those kind of matches and establishing himself in a in the main event as he has, I think he's going to do all right. I think he's going to do quite well. And I think that he will be embedded with AEW, which will help him massively too. Uh, Reagan, who do you think should be the next AEW champion after Moxley? I know everyone is talking about Kenny turning heel and taking it, but I don't think he should get it yet. Well, I would disagree, Regan. That's what I would do. I would build Kenny Omega up as the super heel challenger. I'd have him beat John Moxley. And I think that would be awesome. And it gets Omega back to that, you know, place where everybody wanted him to be to begin with. So that would be my case. Uh, but you could probably make an argument for a few people. I think you could have made an argument for MJF when they went against it. But, you know, John Moxie's ratings. People love John Moxie. It was the right thing to keep him on him. So, uh, you know, two thumbs up around for that. Absolutely. Uh, my man Matthew says, should the streak of the AEW TN title put you in contention somehow for the world title? Should there be some kind of event that catapults the holder of the belt to the world title, a la Impact's option C? No, because I think then, you know, it denigrates the original belt because you're essentially saying that it's not as good as the world championship. And while we all know that deep down, you shouldn't have the company telling you that. So, no, I don't think we should do that. But I understand your point. Andrew, number one, when are you debuting as the higher power, ringleader, man in charge of retribution, as soon as I get the phone call? And two, will your retribution name be Eyepatch? Nope, it will be Q-Ball. Tiago says, will you marry me? We'll go on a date first. Oh, it's got to be a wrestling question. Will you marry me on Raw? We don't want that. We won't get married because somebody will interfere. That always happens. Uh, WPG Tech says, should the ref throwing up the X automatically end the match? I mean, I think so, but I certainly take the argument that if it's just a, I want to say just a minor injury, but then you could probably come up with a finish to keep things going. But I'm such a stickler for keeping people healthy, but not a lot of people agree with me. So there's probably some happy medium we can do. Uh, Appenroyd, should the great Carly show up to challenge Finn Balor for the NXT title? Absolutely not. 
Uh, Phil Robinson says, when are you going to do a shooting star press? Never. I'd land on my head and die. Uh, I'd be like Brock Lesnar, but I don't have the neck that he does, so I'd be screwed. Uh, J.A. says, do you think the members of the Dark Order will turn on Brody Lee and take power from him? You could do that story, but I think that would turn them faces because Brody Lee is far more healed than all of them. I hope they stay together for a while. I would much rather MJF um, infiltrated the inner circle and we did that and then Chris Jericho goes face. I think that's a more a more interesting thing to do. Um, Pop Culture Rescue says, do you think what culture should do a BTE review reaction? I, mean, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I watch it when I can, but that would just screw my schedule up. But I do love the show. I think it's awesome. Uh, Brianna says, do you listen to Metallica before matches? Is this a personal wrestling question to ask you? You aren't specific. You can ask me that. That's all good. Uh, yeah, I do. I listen to a lot of Metallica. I flipping love listening to Metallica before I do matches. Uh, there's a bunch of metal that I listen to before I go out there. You got to get yourself pumped up. Got to get yourself in the zone. Nothing more um, terrifying than doing a wrestling match, but that's why it's great. I love that rush of adrenaline. I love the nerves. I love feeling like I put myself in an uncomfortable position. And like I said, I flipping miss it. Best thing ever. Uh, Rio says retribution or dark order absolutely dark order they've established themselves I, I I think it's I, I think they're good I always like them Chris were you pissed when Jericho became the undisputed champion I know I was no I thought it was refreshing I mean they never really ran as him uh, ran with him as champion but you know I'd seen Austin as champion I'd seen the rock as champion and while I was a massive Austin fan I just thought wow this is different so I remember being quite excited about it but it didn't really you know go the way that I, I wanted it to uh, John says, do you believe the wrestling industry as a whole is healthy? No, <laughs> not at all. For many reasons we can get into, but we won't here because it will take up the rest of the show. Uh, Crazy Monkey says, who was the greatest European champion of all time? And can you please explain why it was D'Lo Brown? Well, no, I don't have to, Crazy, because you're 100% correct. D'Lo Brown, much like Christian, one of the most underrated wrestlers ever. The man kicked all the ass. Matthew Cotterill says, favorite promotion. I don't have one. No one believes that, but I don't. It goes on week to week. Sometimes I like Dynamite the most. Sometimes I like SmackDown. Raw is always a barn burner. I thought Impact's been pretty good recently. So, you know, it's uh, I don't have a favorite promotion. There's no point. I just want to be entertained. It's like, you know, Nintendo versus Sega, Microsoft versus Sony. Just give me good shit. Give me good shit and I'll enjoy it and we can go from there. You know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's going to be different. My man, Alex Carfee. Check him out. He's good, Alex McCarthy. He says, when is your NXT UK tryout? I mean, probably never. But again, dreams can come true. Always believe and see what happens. Um, that's just a random question. Doesn't make sense. Who is your wrestling promotion, Mount Rudmore, says Rushmore, says LSW. See, this is a question you can't answer because it all depends on how you want to look at it. In terms of, for me, it would be Bret Hart, because without Bret Hart, I don't watch wrestling. So he has to be on my Mount Rushmore. Otherwise, I don't get in the door. Stone Cold Steve Austin for, you know, how much money he made. And again, he cemented my love for wrestling. Um, and and then it's it's like a crapshoot. I think Hulk Hogan probably has to be put on there for what he did. And then you probably have to go back to someone like Bruno San Martino for the same reason. But you can argue for The Rock. You can argue for The Undertaker. I haven't said Ric Flair. I take it back. Ric Flair should be on there because, again, outside of the walls of WWE, what the hell do you do without Ric Flair? Ultimately, I don't think you can have four. You'd probably need about eight heads <laughs> to actually get it all in. You know, there's an argument for loads and loads of people. But I think that's great. I can understand the John Cena argument too. Without John Cena, WWE would have hit the doldrums far quicker than they did. So he basically kept their head above water for so long. And that's a massive deal too. And he was on top for ages. His longevity was absolutely mad. Uh, Vinny says, will Brock Lesnar go anywhere else or just squeeze more money out of WWE? He will be back in WWE or he will retire. <laughs> 
in my opinion. Lauren says, what was your favorite feud ever in WWE? Probably Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart. I loved all of that crap so damn much. Zy Dake says, when do you see Otis cashing in his money in the bank or will he lose it like Mr. Kennedy? Unfortunately, I think he is going to be a Mr. Kennedy. Uh, Albert the Brain says, when are you going to wrestle in AEW? When my dreams come true. And Chris Lezuki says, what's your opinion on Survivor Series 1992? Well, I'm going to have to look up about Survivor Series 1992 to remember which one it was. It is... What's the main event of that? It is... Uh, oh, of course, Bret Hart defeating Shawn Michaels for the uh, for the championship. And I think it was pretty good. Yeah, it was The Undertaker versus Kamala. Um, I mean, I have to go back and watch it. I haven't watched it in ages. I think that's the pay-per-view when Nails tried to kill Vince McMahon. <laughs> um, I haven't watched that in years. I'd have to go back and check it. But I've just seen that Crush defeated Repo Man. So obviously now I think it's the worst thing ever. And one more question... Which will be, I am just jumping around to hopefully find a good one. Uh, no, not that one, because that's ridiculous. We don't need to get into that. That doesn't make any sense either. Um, man, I can't find any now. This one, Jaden Brown. What's your favorite wrestling move, and who are your top five wrestlers that you want to wrestle? Uh, my favorite wrestling move is any kind of powerbomb, I think, or pile driver. Because you still look at them, you're like, man, that would flip and hurt if you could do it to someone. And I always enjoy the impact of them. And the five wrestlers that I want to wrestle are like really obvious. Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, John Moxley. Um, <laughs> anyone that's got a big championship belt. Because essentially it means I've risen to the top. Kevin Owens would be in there. I think he'd have a great match with, uh, well, he would carry me to a, well, a passable match because I'm crap. But you know what I'm saying? I think he has that kind of ability. And I think I'd really enjoy Sami Zayn too. I think working with Sami Zayn would be awesome. I bet he comes up with all these amazing ideas and makes you feel like you actually know what you're doing, even though you don't, because he's just a stupid guy that's only been wrestling for a few years. Then they got taken away from you because of a damn pandemic. Makes me want to cry deep down in my heart. And that's it. We brought us to the end of another podcast. A little bit shorter than usual, but I'm not going to lie. It is 11 p.m. here. or coming up to 11 p.m. in the UK. I am recording this very late this evening. So if any of it sounded a bit random, that's because it was. I need to clear up my schedule, but I will. But thank you for tuning in as always. I always do appreciate it. We will be back later in the week where I think we're going to talk about the G1. So we'll get into that. Otherwise, um, shout out to Pins and Knuckles again for supporting the show. Instagram and Twitter at Simon316. Come support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. Give me a subscribe if you haven't already. Simon Miller on YouTube. I think that's it. I've probably forgotten something. SimonMiller.BigCartel.com for merch. Uh, got a few orders recently, which has been very nice. But otherwise, I won't talk to you before AEW Dynamite and NXT, so enjoy that. And yeah, we'll come back together at the end of the week and we'll see what's happening in wrestling. Let's face it, there'll be at least one piece of crazy, crazy news. Yeah.